If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Hallelujah. Pastor Ned, if you're watching, I love you. I miss you. Can't wait till you're able to get home. She's still ministering to her family. And um, her daughter and granddaughter and, and Amy, uh, Amy are there ministering to her family. So keep praying for them. Hallelujah. You know, when we stepped into this season, you know, the book of Timothy talks about, about taking care of your, 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 your family, taking care of your parents. It's, it's a calling. It's a calling. And, and so I told Annette, I said, in this season, you know, there's a grace on us. You know, and we're, and we're going to do what God's called us to do as it pertains to our, to our parents. Amen. And I guess I need to get to where I told you to go. You know, let's not be in a hurry. Sometimes we can just be in this thing, okay, I just need to come to church, let's get it over with, and let's, let's go home, and let's start the next thing. And, but um, let, the Word of God is so important. The Word of God is so important. And um, I want to continue on what I've been talking about concerning the Holy Spirit. I, w- I want to read this one scripture and, and um, maybe do just a little brief review. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, it says, or, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Whom, who is in you, whom you have from God, and you're not your own. Last week I talked about, out of the scripture of 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14, where Paul prays at the end there, and he says that, I pray that the love of God, the grace of God, the grace of Jesus, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit would be with you all. The communion of the Holy Spirit, this, this fellowship. The, Paul's praying, he said, I'm praying that you would lay hold of the grace of God for your life, I'm praying that you would lay hold of the love of God for your life and you would lay hold of the communion of the Holy Spirit, that this communion would be with you all. This word communion is fellowship. We, we, we have to understand that, that the Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is not a something. The Holy Spirit is not a feeling. The Holy Spirit is not an emotion. The Holy Spirit is not a denomination. But the Holy Spirit is a person who dwells among you, whom you have, whom you have from God. Jesus constantly spoke in John 14 and John 17 and talked about he, he, the spirit of truth will be with you. Him, the world doesn't know him, but you know him for he dwells with you and he shall be in you. He's a person. And we're to have this fellowship with the Holy Spirit, this personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. Jesus, this was the the Holy Spirit was the go between. This was how Jesus said, I only do those things I I see the father do. I only say things I hear the father say, well, how did it happen? It happened with this relationship through this relationship with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, I, I could talk about a lot of symbols within Scripture. I could talk about a, a lot of things of, 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 of what the Holy Spirit has come to do. He's, he's a director. He's a guide. He shows us things to come. He's one that, that, that heals hearts. He's one that is the, he's a spirit of grace. And there's so many things that we could deal with. But I, I have a particular assignment, and I'm not going to be able to finish it this morning. But I want us to go up to, in the same chapter, I want us to go up to, go to verse 11. Now let me pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the word of God and I approach it humbly. Holy Spirit, 
You're our teacher. Holy Spirit, you're my senior partner. I'm in joint partnership with you this morning. Holy Spirit, you're my senior pastor. Direct us today. Illuminate the word to our hearts. And reveal why Jesus sent you as this gift to treasure. And this gift that would give us the advantage in our lives. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Let's look at verse 11. He deals with a number of, of sins that people were operating in. And, but verse 11, he goes, And such were some of you, meaning you used to operate in these same things. But he says, But you were washed, you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name, in, in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. So you're saying here, this is how the world is operating in. And he goes, you used to be in the same thing. He says, but you were washed, you were sanctified, and you were justified in the name of our Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. So it was by the Spirit of God in the name of Jesus that we've been washed. Are, are you born again this morning? Give me see some hands. So, so that means you've been washed, you've been cleansed, you're a new creation. Are, are you grateful for that this morning? So, and it says that this took place by the name of Jesus and it took place by the Spirit of God. Titus 3, 5 tells us that this washing, this regeneration and this renewing of the Holy Spirit. So, so the Holy Spirit, part of what he, he came to do was accomplish is to make us new creations. Amen. And then he says a word that though you've been not just washed, but you've been justified. And he says that you've been sanctified. Now, this is what the Spirit of God, by the name of Jesus and by the Spirit of our God, I've been washed. I've been justified and I've been sanctified. Now, that sounds really Christian. That sounds really spiritual. But what does that mean to me? How, how can I relate to that and how can I understand what God did for me? What, what the Holy Spirit has done for me? One, he, he cleaned me up and made me new. What does justification mean? It, this talks about position. He put me in a new position. He put me in right standing with God. Amen. See, what it, um, let me put it this way. What is... Justification is something that God did for me. But sanctification is not necessarily a word that we talk about too much. Sometimes in our Christian charismatic circles, we don't talk about, are you sanctified? I'm sanctified, Terry. Sanctification has to do with the work that God has done in us. Justification is what God has done for us. Sanctification is what God has done in us. So this washing, this justification, this sanctification is all been done by the Holy Spirit. Sanctification is the work that God continues to do in my life. Can you say this with me? I've been washed. I've been justified. And I've been sanctified. So this morning, I'm going to deal with the Holy Spirit has sanctified me. Another word that we can look for sanctified this morning and better, better understanding is 
I've been set apart. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 1. Now, there's a lot of things that we could talk about, about this sanctification that took place by the Holy Spirit. We could, we could talk about how, according to Ephesians chapter 2, we could talk about that we have access by one Spirit to the Father. So I could talk about this sanctification has put me in a right relationship with God. It set me apart so I could have access to God. I could, if I talk about the sanctification, that he brought me out of darkness into his marvelous light. That is being set apart. He took me out of one thing and he put me into another thing. That's the work of sanctification that took place by the Holy Spirit. Now, actually, I want to, um, Becky, if you could put this up in the Passion Translation. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 2, in the Passion Translation. Can you put that up there? He says, you are not forgotten, for you have been chosen and destined by Father God. The Holy Spirit has set you apart to be God's holy ones. You've been set apart what? For what? To be one of God's holy ones. Now, immediately, some people are thinking, it's like, whoa, I could, that can never be me. This, this is not about talking about you trying to be holy in yourself. We're talking about how does this happen? It happens by the work of the Holy Spirit. You've been set apart to be one of God's holy ones. And, and why else have you been set apart? To be obedient followers of Jesus Christ who have been gloriously sprinkled with his blood. May God's delightful grace and peace cascade over you many times over. You've been set apart by the Holy Spirit so you could be holy ones. So you could be obedient followers of Jesus Christ. Amen. Say, that's me. Now, I, I, there's, there's some place I'm going, so I don't, I have an assignment this morning, and there's some places I want to go, so I can't really, I don't, I, the Lord doesn't want me to rebuild everything concerning this, but I do want to touch on it just for a moment before I go forward about this sanctification and what that looks like, about this, the Holy Spirit has set you apart to be God's holy ones. I, I remember in uh, January 23rd of uh, 1993, some of you heard my story, how I got healed of a respiratory disease and, and how God showed up and, and I, I was in my sister's living room and I got saved, gave my heart to the Lord. The, the presence of God, I, I didn't know them, but it was like the presence of God, the fire of God came upon my life, healed me, went through me from the top of my head to the soles of my feet and I've never been the same since. But after that moment, after that experience, I remember going back, working at the liquor store that I was working at at the time, and I kept walking around the liquor store kind of like I was in this daze. And it was kind of like, I, I kind of fit, I, I felt like a, you know, like a round peg in a square hole. It was like, I was like, this is, you know, this, you know, think about this. Three days before that, I had no issue with where I was working. Not anyone showed up. Most people didn't even know this experience had had. I hadn't gone back to a church yet after this had happened. This is all just this, this encounter that I had with God. And, and, I, and I go back to the liquor store and no one said, hey, Justin, this is probably not the place you need to work. Now that you're saved, this probably is not, you know, it's, you know, it's like, hey, these probably aren't the right spirits you need to be around. 
And, and I remember walking on and I did, I did it for a whole day and I, I don't think I accomplished any work. And this was a high end liquor store. Some people were like a high, it, it was, trust me. I mean, we had, I mean, where I, where I was from, it was a lot of wealthy people and we did parties for like Chef Bardee, Oliver North. I mean, delegates, people came in from New York. I mean, it was huge. And I, I, I mean, and, and so, so it wasn't just like this corner liquor store. It was a, it was a, it was a big liquor store. It was like a huge thing, reputable place. And it kind of sounds weird when you say that as a liquor store, right? But, but the point was, I just knew that I'm like walking around and I'm like, no one had to tell me that I needed to leave there. No one. But there was something was happening on the inside of me, Deshell. Something was like, well, something was like, man, I, I don't belong here. What was that? That was the Holy Spirit setting me apart. He was doing a work in me. I, I remember even three days after that, going back to a party, people I'd party with my entire life. And here, you know, within a couple hours, I would have probably had about 12 beers by then, but I'm holding the same one I started with and I'm going, it's the same one, but yet I didn't want to feel weird not to have one in my hand. So I'm walking around and I'm like, kind of pretending I'm drinking it. And I'm like, and, and I remember like people starting to leave and I'm going, and I remember getting in my car and, and I still had the beer in my hand. That's probably not a good idea. Open container. Put it in the cup holder. <laughs> and I'm like, Lord, what is going on? And he said, he goes, this isn't your life anymore. And I goes, what, but, and I'm looking in and I'm looking at the, my, all my friends that are in the, in the front of this house. And I'm looking at people I had been in relationship my entire high school life. And I'm looking at them and I'm going, what's the disconnect here? What's going on? And, and he goes, I said, he goes, he goes, you need to leave here. He goes, he goes, they can't take you to your destiny. They can't take you where I want, where I want. And I didn't know anything about hearing the voice of God, but I'm hearing the voice of God only being born again less than a week. And I'm hearing the, he says, and he, he plainly as day, I, I'm just like, yeah, they can't take me to where I'm called to be. Within a matter of two weeks, I moved away, started, you heard some of the story, but what was happening? This was the work of the Holy Spirit. What was once normal, I was no longer comfortable in. What once was something that was so normal to me, I could, I could no longer be comfortable with. It wasn't me even trying to judge other people or that. Trust me, I hadn't heard any religion yet. I hadn't, I hadn't read a scripture yet. I, I, it was just something in me was like, something was in me like, hey, there's something more I have for you. Follow me. There's something more I have for you. Follow me. And I just knew. I just, I just knew on the inside of me the next step was go, go move to my town where my sister lived. 
I didn't know how, what was going to happen. I didn't know what the next steps were. I, and I, I don't have the time this morning to go in and tell you the journey that took me from one step to another. I may touch on a few things, but this is what the work of the Holy Spirit really looks like. I don't want to try to over-spiritualize it because all of us, you have experienced what I experienced. And it was the inner working of the Spirit of God on the inside of you. And even after that point, when I told a lie or when something happened, there was this little scratch on the inside of me that this, this little scratch here, you know what? It's like, Justin, that wasn't, that wasn't all the truth. That, that wasn't, that wasn't really what was going on. What is that feeling I'm feeling? I'm feeling the sanctifying power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is working in me to set me apart, to be holy, to set me apart for a calling on my life, to set me apart for my assignment. Yes, sir. The Holy Spirit is so, he's a person, he's a gentleman. You know what? Not one time did he yell at me and say, Justin, you're going to hell because you're in this party. He was trying to lead me. Now, biggest thing is we get, we try to, we try to make our revelation someone else's revelation. And that's where, that's when you start bringing judgment on other people. Don't be the Holy Spirit in other people's lives. Yes, speak the word to them and let the Holy Spirit work in their lives. The, the, this work of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Maybe this should have been a th- three-part message. We'll see. But he said, being obedient followers, being obedient followers of Jesus Christ. Go to Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3. So that's the... I, I didn't, don't feel like I have liberty to really unpack everything there, but I believe I, I, I sowed enough seed to where you understand what I'm saying, okay? I want to get into another aspect of the work of sanctification... So it's, let me make this statement. I just felt the Holy Spirit bring this up in my heart. This work of sanctification is set me apart to be like Jesus. That's why we have the fruit of the Spirit. To love like we could never love in ourselves. To have patience and self-control like we couldn't have before we, before we had the Holy Spirit. To have the gentleness, the meekness, goodness, faith. Joy, these fruits of the Spirit that we would have on the inside of us that would, would then regulate our character. So, so this, this work of the Holy Spirit sets us apart to, to be like Him character-wise. Now let's look at Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. John says, I baptize you with water unto repentance... But he, talking about Jesus, who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He, Jesus, will baptize you with Holy Spirit and fire. Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand. And he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor. So here this Jesus is going to baptize you with Holy Ghost and fire. Now, we just saw that the, the, the work of the Holy Spirit washes, justifies, and sanctifies. 
But I want to deal with this other aspect of sanctification. Here, this baptism of the Holy Ghost and fire. Some, some translation, original language, uh, take out and. And so it could say Holy Ghost fire. Something about this Holy Ghost fire. The fire of God is not destructive. The fire of God, the Lord told me primarily two things. It does two things. It consecrates and it consumes. It consumes things out of your life that doesn't need to be there. And it also sets you apart for something. So this other aspect dealing with the fire that comes from the Holy Spirit is it sets you apart for service. I'm going, to, I'm, going to show, I'm going to show you this here in a moment. This is, this is my assignment this morning because it set us apart to be like Jesus. But the other aspect of sanctification, it sets me apart for service. So when Jesus said he's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire, he's saying, Joseph, I'm going to baptize you and get everything out of you that doesn't need to be in there. And at the same time, I'm going to set you apart for my assignment for your life. With the Holy Ghost and fire. So when you talk about the fire of God, I'm not talking about emotional. I'm not talking about someone necessarily shaking under the power of God, although that, that can come on someone's life. I'm not belittling any, any of those things, but ultimately any experience that we have, whether it's falling down, running around, shaking, quaking, or whatever it might be, bottom line is, is the fire of God on your life is trying to do something in you. Either take something out of you or for you to understand and sanctify you and set you apart for the assignment on your life. The fire of God, when you got filled with the Holy Ghost, the fire of God came on your life, not just so you could say you're spirit filled. It came upon your life so you could be set apart for an assignment. You say, well, pastor, I don't know if I'm called to ministry. Well, someone lied to you because we're all called to ministry. We all have an assignment of God upon our lives. Now, I'm not saying this behind this. You could be, you could be set apart to be a business owner and someone that finances the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Set apart to, to, to minister to businessmen all over your community. So, so don't try to limit God in, in what he set you apart for service to do. Set apart for service. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit fire is in the earth today. Now think about the, that fire. The Holy Spirit was fire was in Genesis chapter 1. What, what happened? The Holy Spirit hovered over until what God said light be. And then what happened? Now let me make the statement. Our understanding of light is something that we see, you get your house and you turn it on. But in an ancient person's understanding, in an in a old school understanding, when they said light or light was written, it's not Thomas Edison creating a light bulb. But it is fire. The very, the very thing, the only things they had light with was the sun. And what's the sun made of? Fire. So when you see light in scripture, don't just try to, to in our, in our Western, uh, modern day understanding, think of what light is and it's this light bulb I switch on and when I get to my house. No, it is fire. The, the Holy Spirit in, when after Jesus was baptized, it said, came upon him like a dove. It didn't say he was, it was a dove. It said it was like a dove. That the Holy Spirit fire was, was resting on Jesus when he came up out of the water. And in Acts chapter 2, what happened? It said the Holy Spirit 
came, and then it says, as a rushing mighty wind, and it was like tongues of what? And it said, what sat, sat upon each one of them. So, our, so the disciples' introduction to the, being filled with the Holy Ghost had, be, had a connection of fire. And so that fire that came upon their lives all of a sudden now set them apart for service. Now, I want to show you some examples. Go to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. I'm sorry, Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3. Is it okay for me to teach just a little bit? If you're new here, I'm a teaching pastor. Exodus 3, verse 1, it says, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, and the priests of Midian, and he led the flock to the back of the desert, and he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Now listen to this. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of the bush. So he looked... And behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. I want you to see in these, in th- these few verses, we see the Trinity represented. The angel of the Lord. If you do research of this, the angel of the Lord represents the second person of the Trinity. And it represents the humanity side of, of, of a heavenly father, which is Jesus. Yes. So you see this bush that is on fire that has the angel of the Lord that's on fire. What does the fire represent? The Holy Spirit. And when Moses turned aside to see this bush that wasn't burning, the moment he turned aside, what happened? God spoke. But what did God speak? God said, the cries of my people have come unto me and I will come down and I will deliver them. I will deliver them. So what happened when the fire showed up in Moses' life in a burn in a bush that wasn't consumed? What happened? It told him where to go, told him what to do. What was happening? He was setting him apart for service. The fire of God set Moses apart for service. It was the, it was God, the Holy Spirit in Jesus ministering to Moses and setting him apart for service. And the second thing, without going into every scripture about it, if you go into verse 12, and so he said, God said, I will certainly be with you. I'll be with you. Now, you're going to see this throughout the rest of our time this morning, that that you're going to see that what happens when the fire shows up, what do you see? You're going to to know where to go, you're going to know what to do, and you're going to know that God's with you, so therefore you have the ability to accomplish it. I was praying about just the word anointing. The word anointing. Remember the Bible says how God anointed Jesus, Acts 10.38, with Holy Ghost and fire. 
who went about doing good and healing all. Holy Ghost, I'm sorry, Holy Ghost in power. Who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Why? For God was what? With him. Jesus couldn't accomplish without being with the Father. How God anointed. There's two aspects to the anointing. And that's why I'm going to cover this other aspect next week. But the first aspect, when they anointed someone, it was they were set apart for service. When he anointed King David, it was to put a mark on him to set him apart to be king. The next aspect of the anointing is it gives them the ability to accomplish what they're set apart to do. That's the anointing. The anointing isn't just the power. The anointing is the assignment and the power to accomplish it. And we're gonna, we'll get into that part next week. So here, here, here Moses is there and he's seeing this bush burn with fire. The angel comes to him and tells him what to do, where to go, and also sums it up with God said, I will certainly be with you. Now, you can't separate the Spirit of God from the power of God. You can't separate the Spirit of God from the presence of God. You can't separate the Spirit of God from the fire of God. You can't separate the Spirit of God from the goodness of God or the love of God. You can't. So now get a picture of this. Jesus is, is, comes out of the water. And it said, the Holy Spirit came upon him as like a dove. He comes out, leaves that moment on fire. He goes to the wilderness on fire. He overcomes Satan's and all the temptations because he was a man on fire. says when he comes that came out of the wilderness it said he came out in the fullness of the spirit so he went into he went in on fire and he came out on fire and he stood up and said in Luke chapter 4 the spirit of the lord is upon me to preach the gospel to the poor to heal the brokenhearted so what happened? The fire was on him for a purpose. He came out. He knew what he was called to do. He, when he was filled with the Holy Spirit, the fire of God touched his life and it set him apart for service, Terry. We know he told us, we know throughout the Bible, he knew what his purpose was. He came to one and, and said he came to seek and save that which was lost. We know in 1 John chapter 4, it says, it says he came to destroy the works of the enemy. We know in John 17, he said he came to reveal the Father. So, so here Jesus knew he was set apart, so he was this man on fire. Hallelujah. Now think about this. A man on fire. Now, go, to John, go to John chapter 8. John chapter 8. Thank you, Father. Verse 12. Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying... So he must have said this before. Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, 
but have the light of life. What did first Peter say? Those that are chosen by God and it said the Holy Spirit has set you apart to holy ones and to be obedient followers. So what does they say here? I am the fire of the world. Think about that for a moment. See, light, our light is, is like, oh, with light. Okay. No, I am the fire of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the fire of life. Woo. So, so get this. If I follow Kevin, if I follow him, then it says, if I follow the fire, then it says that I'll have the fire of life. You see, Jesus came out as a man on fire. The disciples followed a man of fire until they come to the point to where they were set on fire. Go, let's go over to John chapter 9. Some of you are kind of looking at me as like... Thank you, Lord. Verse 3 says, Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no man can work. As long as I'm in the world, I'm the fire of the world. <laughs> as long as I'm in the world, I'm the fire. <laughs> I, I want you to see that for Moses... There was a, Jesus was in the wilderness with the Holy Spirit and God as a bush on fire. I want us to see that Jesus is that flame of fire that came out of the wilderness. Moses went to the wilderness to, to see that fire, but yet Jesus came out of the wilderness so we could see the fire. Baptized with Holy Ghost and fire, Vic. Someone say fire. fire. Say it again, fire. fire. See, this is, this is the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. It sets you apart to be like Jesus, but it sets you apart for service. In John chapter 20, you don't need to turn there, verse 21. What does that scripture say? It says, as my father sent me, even so I send you. So the same reasons that Jesus was, has come, he turned around to the disciples, a man on fire, set them apart for service and said, as my father sent me, I send you. From that moment forward, they were set apart for service. Amen. And I want you to know this morning, the fire of God is still in the earth today. Amen. And you've been set apart for service. Let's go, to, let's go to Matthew 28. Matthew 28. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. <laughs> Matthew 28. Verse 16 says, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying... Now, Think of this as a bush on fire. Thinking of this coming from a man that's on fire. All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go therefore, 
make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to deserve all things I have commanded you. For lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the earth. What did we see with Moses? What to do, where to go, and I'll be with you. What does this man on fire, that the disciples are following the fire, what is he saying to him? Where to go, what to do, and I'll be with you. Let's go to Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16. You know, we want fire in our lives, then it's got to be taught about. Amen. Hallelujah. This is not just a message this morning, but it's a deposit for your future. Mark 16. Verse 15. And he said to them, this man on fire said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So what? They're telling him what to do, where to go. Go into all the world. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out devils. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. What are we seeing? What to do, where to go. What to do, where to go. Let's keep reading. Verse 19. So then after the Lord had spoken to them, after the fire of the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up to heaven. He sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out preaching everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word through accompanying signs. So it, he told them what to do, where to go, and told them that, that I will be with you. So not only have you been set apart for service, but now you have the anointing to accomplish what I set you apart for. This is the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. Go, go, to, uh, go to Matthew chapter 5. Sometimes I wish I could just preach with notes, but it just doesn't work sometimes. So. Verse 6. Actually, go to verse 13. You are the salt of the earth. Now, this is a man on fire that they're following. They're, they're following a man on fire. And technically here, they would be considered in the wilderness, so to speak. Galilee. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Verse 14, you are the light of the world. Now, this is a man on fire. The Holy Spirit is upon him. He's a flaming tree, so to speak. And he's standing up and he's releasing something and he's speaking something to them. And what is he telling him? He's saying, you are the fire of the world. You are the fire that's in the world. You're the fire that's in the world. Just nudge your, nudge your neighbor and say, you're the fire that's in the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. You know what? You can't hide something that's on fire. You can't hide anything that's on fire. You're, you, can't, you can't hide it. Uh, now, you can try to put it out. You can, but when something's a blaze of fire, it's not easily to be extinguished. So he said, you are the fire that's in the world. The, you're the fire. What is, he, what is he saying? He's telling them a, a what? He's telling them a what? He's telling them where? He's telling them that, that you're what, what's happening? You're the fire. What is he telling them where? In the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor did they light a fire 
and they put it under a, a basket. The, Jesus didn't light your fire so you could hide it. Jesus didn't encounter your life so you could keep it somewhere. God, the, the fire wasn't given to the church so we could say, Holy Spirit, just operate over here. Just not on a Sunday morning. Don't, don't hide. He's saying, hey, hey, Vic, don't hide your fire. Don't fire because why? The fire is for the world. The fire is for the world. You are the fire in the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a fire and put it under a basket. But what do they do? They put it on a lampstand and it gives, it gives fire to all those who are in the house. I'm telling you, your fire needs to get on someone else. Your fire needs to get on someone else. Your fire needs to get on your workplace. Your fire needs to get on. And if you're not, if you're not on fire, get on fire. And th- th- this is the work of the Holy Spirit. This is what you're seeing is you're seeing Jesus as a flame of fire. Just like Moses saw in the, in, in the wilderness in that burning bush that wasn't consumed. To get light into all the house. Verse 16. Let your, let your fire so shine before men. That they may see your good works. And glorify your father in heaven. It's not about you being glorified. But let your fire. Let your fire so shine before men. That they may see your good works. And glorify your father in heaven. You got time for one or two more scriptures? Go to Acts 26. Acts 26. <laughs> let's, let's, look at, look, let's look at verse 1. I wasn't going to start here, but I guess that's where I'm starting. So, then Agrippa said to Paul, you're permitted to speak for yourself. So Paul stretched out his hand and answered for himself, I think myself happy. <laughs> think about that for here. Here Paul's in prison, but yet he sits, he sits back and he goes, I think myself happy. Have you thought yourself happy yet? See, when, when, you, when you have touched the fire, it doesn't matter if you're in prison or not. You, 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 the fire is in your life and you're going to think yourself happy. <laughs> think yourself happy. Some of you need to take some time out of the day and just think yourself happy. I mean, if Paul did it in prison, how much should we? I mean, come on, think, think yourself happy. King Agrippa, because today I shall answer for myself before you concerning all the things which I'm accused of by the Jews, especially because you're an expert in all customs and questions which have to do with the Jews. Therefore, I beg you to bear me patiently, meaning, meaning you need to listen to me. Let me explain something to you. So we're seeing a man on fire. Telling a worldly leader, think myself happy. <laughs> it's like, it was like almost like Paul was just like waiting for the day. It was like, oh, you got to understand he, Paul went through shipwrecks. Paul went through so many things and, and he wasn't even going to be released from prison. But Paul said, well, no, don't release me. Now, would you have said that? He goes, no, he goes, I got to stand before Caesar. 
See, because a man on fire knows his assignment. He knew his assignment. And here he is, and he's, and he's, and he's getting happy. Why? Because, because he's, he, he knows that he's fulfilling his assignment. Because now, hey, hey, if I'm talking to King Agrippa, then, then hey, you know what? Then it's not going to be too long. I'm going to be standing before Caesar. If I'm talking to this king, hey, it's not before long that, that I'm going to see these next things happen. Let's look, uh, let's look at verse 12. While thus occupied as a journey. Here he's telling this story. And I can just, just see just this excitement in Paul. I can see just, I believe he, was, he wasn't just saying this. I believe he was preaching it. I believe he was, he was just on fire with what he was sharing. And I, I just believe there was this excitement that... that it's kind of almost like King Agrippa is probably saying, hey, are you going to get to the point, Paul? Are you going to get to the point? Why is this guy so excited? See, some people don't know why you're so excited. <laughs> While this occupied as a journey to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priests at midday, O king, along the road, I saw a fire from heaven. I saw a fire from heaven. I saw a light from heaven. Brighter than the sun. Can that be possible? Brighter than the sun, Danny. And this is, this is the only way that he can describe it. He's, 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 he thinks himself happy. Why? Because he knows when he was set apart. A fire from heaven. Brighter than the sun shining around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we all had fallen to the ground, I heard a voice speak to me and say in a Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goad. So I said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I'm Jesus. Now, what are we seeing? We're seeing. We saw the angel of the Lord ministering to Jesus. To Moses in the, in the wilderness. We see Jesus ministering to his followers in the Mount Sermon. We see Jesus ministering before he, to the disciples when he promised, go to Jerusalem until you're endued with this fire. And now we see, we see from heaven the glory of God, the fire of God shows up. So much so that he was blinded and, 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 and when he was knocked to the ground and he said, Saul, Saul, who do you persecute? Why are you persecuting me? And what does Saul say? Who are you, Lord? The fire of God intercepted with Paul's life and changed him. Remember, what does this sanctification do? It sets apart in here, makes you like Jesus, but the other thing, it sets you apart for your assignment. So, so we're going we're gonna to interpret what I've been interpreting all, all morning. Can we see? The Bible says, let, let every word be established by two or three witnesses. So let's look at another witness about the sanctification of the Holy Spirit. He says, I'm Jesus whom you're, whom you're persecuting, but arise, stand on your feet. 
For I've appeared to you for this purpose. Meaning the fire showed up to you for this purpose. What? To make you a minister. And a witness both of the things which you have seen. And of the things that I will reveal to you. I will deliver you from the Jewish people. As well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you. To do what? To open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light. From the power of God, power of Satan to God. That they may receive forgiveness of sin. And inheritance among them who are sanctified by faith that is in me. Verse 19. Therefore, King Agrippa, I was not obedient to the heavenly vision. So how does he finish this thing? He's a man on fire. He sees the fire. And what does the fire do? It sets him apart for service. It says... Where you're going to go and what you're going to do. And he says, I wasn't disobedient to what the fire told me. And then let's look at verse 22. Because this is the other thing. Verse 22. Therefore, having obtained help from God, to this day I stand. From this day, from that time of that vision. (laughs) From the time of that vision. To this day, I'm here because of the help of God. I stand here because of the help of God. But what do we see? We saw the fire of God. What did it do? It set him apart for service. Not only that, but it said, God was with me. Holy Spirit is a person. He is fire. And the fire is to sanctify us. To be more like Jesus. But not just to be more like Jesus, but to set us apart for an assignment. Whether you realize it or not, this morning, you have been set apart for an assignment. Can I close with a story? January of 1999, I was visiting. I was visiting from Maryland and at that time I was working in sales and marketing for a corporation and the Lord, I just sensed, I call it this. I sensed a grace lifting, but what I, what I'm aware of now, what I'm going to tell you is it's something so much more than that. I had in my heart, Dr. So actually came to our church. First time I'd ever heard him preach live in November of 1998. I, I, um, and then January, just right after that, I came and just had in my heart to come visit the Bible school. And so that's what I did. And, and, um, I I didn't, I didn't know. I was like, because at this time it was like, I I don't know, how can I leave where I'm at? And no one's left Maryland and my family, no one's done those things. And it's like, I don't even know why I'm coming here. It's kind of like, kind of like, I'm just going to get away, but I'm not really sure. But I just knew something in here was kind of urging me, go to Texas, go to Texas. I would say, I would try to make excuses. Well, I can't really go. It's not a good time. But every time I was like, you need to go to Texas. You need to go to Texas. I had some friends here, the friends that lived here. And, and he called me up and he said, he goes, you know, somebody, I, I really think you need to come to Texas. <sighs> okay, I'm come to Texas. What's in Texas? I heard it's hot in Texas. <laughs> I heard there's not a whole lot of trees in Texas. You know, I lived, I mean, I lived like 20 minutes from the beach. I mean, I, we, I was like an hour and a half from skiing and, and these things, it was just, we had, we had four seasons. Our trees, our trees changed colors. 
And, and, and yet I, I show up and, and I just knew there was something in me that was about to change, but I didn't know what it was. And, and I remember on a Wednesday afternoon, uh, my friends, they, were, they worked for the ministry here. And they were both working at the office. And so I was home by myself. I didn't have a vehicle, so I couldn't get around. And, um, and one, I didn't even know. I didn't know what an exit was. I, I mean, driving, try to drive in Texas when all you've been on like two-lane roads in the country. It's kind of like, wow, what is that thing? It goes away. That's, that's like a roller coaster to me. It's like, what is that? But it's, that was 23 years ago. But, but anyway, but here I was on a Wednesday afternoon, and I'm listening to... I'm listening to, I believe it was Jerry Savelle, and it was at the year before KCM Ministers Conference. And it's back before the main EMIC is built. Now, they, that's when they did their, their ministers' conferences in the chapel. And, uh, and so I was watching. It was an older one. I don't even remember what it was, but it was something that was said. And it was something that was said to ways where I got up and I lifted my hands. And from that moment... I just started worshiping the Lord. And the next thing I know, I started shaking under the power of God. I mean, my hands were shaking. Then like my arms were shaking and then my legs were shaking. And it was like, I'm going, I'm going. And, And I remembered that this was almost like when the presence of God came in and healed me. In 1993. And I'm, and I'm like, I'm just like shaking under the power of God. And I'm, I, I wasn't asking for it. I wasn't wanting it. And, and I'm like, what is this? What am I feeling? And what is this? And then it got even, in, it got more intense. Something I'd never experienced before. And, and I, no one could say this is, it wasn't real. And next thing I know, it, it just it comes way heavier. So much so that I couldn't even stand up. And I'm on the ground shaking and, and I'm laying on the ground and this wind blew through this apartment that I was in. It was over off of Hewland, over off, it was an apartment where Bel Air is, right behind Callaway's Nursery. I knew exactly where, where they lived at that time. You, some of you know where that is. And, and, and you know, it's like kind of right before you go over the bridge to take you over the Trinity River. And I'm in an apartment there and, and, and I'm just shaking under the power of God. I don't know how long this lasted, but next thing I know, this wind blew through and I just felt this heat from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. And I I heard a voice and it was the same voice that said, tell me you love me in January 23rd of 1993. And when I, and all of a sudden I heard that same voice saying, saying, I've called you to Texas and you will be here for the majority of the rest of your life. He goes, be obedient and come to Texas. And from there, everything I've called you to do, we will be fulfilled. I don't know how long that, that was it. That was the end of what I heard. I don't know how long I laid there to where I could get up my knees and I wrote down everything that was said. As I'm laying there and I'm, I'm, I'm actually sitting now and, and I'm right down, I'm in, I've got tears coming down my eyes and, and I'm, I'm, I'm like, Lord, what, but how do I, how do I, how do I do it? How do I do it? And he said this, he goes, 
He goes, because I'm thinking of all the debt I had at the time. I'm thinking about my family. I'm thinking about the church I was planted in and what that would do to them about me leaving and, and those things. And he said this, he goes, Justin, if you take care of the obedience, I'll take care of the impossible. And within, and within, within nine months, I was out of $28,000 of credit card debt. And I was showing up. What is today? September 4th. I showed up in Texas on August 4th. And I was out of debt by September 11th. Why? I had people tell me that, well, why don't you go to Rama? Rama, you know, they have this school and Kenneth Hagin this or Kenneth Hagin that. And they're, why don't you go to this school? And I'm like, I'm like, well, no, the Lord said this one. <laughs> the fire said this one. So in that moment, in the presence of God, I knew where to go. I knew what to do. And I know that as I was obedient, he would take care of every other situation. And I just look back from 1999 to today. Where would I be if I didn't follow the fire? Stand to your feet. Thank you, Father. Majority of Christians don't know the purpose of the Holy Spirit. I really believe a lot of charismatics don't even know the purpose of the Holy Spirit. He's so much more than a feeling, so much more than tongues. Don't put the Holy Spirit in a box. He's a person. And I'm believing that One thing I'm believing is that there's some of you in here, you've had encounters with that fire like I had. It's something that you kind of go back to, but maybe you've let it go. So my heart and prayer is that you allow the Holy Spirit to fan the flame of that fire and remind you of what, what you're called to do, what your purpose is. There's some in here that you've, you may have never counted the fire like I'm talking about. I'm not saying that every person needs to have that kind of Apostle Paul experience like, like I had. That's not, that's what I'm saying. But you know what, that God's doing something in you. And if anything, my heart this morning is it would place a hunger in you for to desire the fire. Jesus told the disciples, Jesus, a man on fire. You see, they followed the fire. So much so that eventually the fire came on with and then in them. The fire came on Jesus in such a way that in his last prayer, he says, he goes, Father, I've completed down to the last detail everything you told me to do. I've come everything that the fire that came from you, everything that that fire of the Holy Ghost came, everything he's told me to do. It's Lord, I finished down to the last detail, everything. So grateful that he was son of God, but yet he was son of man. In John 14, he says, it's the father in me that does the works. 
So I thank you for the fire that you sent to the New Testament church. That that fire would burn in heritage of faith. The fire would burn through heritage of faith. But I thank you that we have a community to reach. We have a city to win. Let your fire burn in each one of us. Thank you, Father. Just lift your hands and worship the Lord. Just going to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit for a moment. Fire. Oh, let your fire. Holy Spirit, I ministered, I believe, exactly what you instructed me to minister today. So I thank you that you say, you said, that signs and wonders follow the word preached. Lord working with and confirming. So confirm this word this morning. Not just in this moment with the time that we have left, but when they go home, when they wake up in the morning, when you remind them of this word days from now, that they would know that they are the fire in the world. Paul tells Timothy to stir up the gift that's within you. Oh, maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor Justin, I, I know the fire of God's touched my heart and touched my life in the past, but I've kind of, I kind of let go of, of, of that purpose. I kind of let go of it and, and I don't really know how to get back to it. I don't really know how to, how, how to get back to it. Just come to, come to the altar real quick. Come to the altar. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. We praise you, Father. We glorify you. Mm. We praise you, Father.